Dragnets. The Jack Benny Program. I'm that man. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. George Burns and Gracie Allen. Good evening, friends of the Inner Sanctum. We offer you Escape. Follow Miss Brooks. Suspense. Richard Diamond, Private Detective. Fibber McGee and Molly. The Great Gildersleeve. Radio Theater. In the air. Dedicated to man's imagination, the theater of the mind. You know what our call letters WGN stand for, don't you? WGN Radio Theater. A special three-hour presentation with Carl Amari and Lisa Wolf. All right, it's about seven minutes after 11 p.m. here on the WGN Radio Theater, program 408 in the series. It's July 28th, and man, you don't look anything like Lisa Wolf. That's because I'm not. It's Mike Costella taking Lisa's place tonight. She's on vacation. She's in Phoenix, Arizona. At least that's where she said she is. We'll find out. Never know what Lisa, you know. She's going to come back less tan than yeah, when she, she left Yeah, she probably here. will. Absolutely. We have classic radio shows coming your way. Jack Benny with special guest Fred Allen. That's going to be a riot from 1948. Then it's Broadway Is My Beat, Good Detective Adventure, starring Larry Thor. But we're going to start things off by chatting with uh, Dan Jaffe, the CEO of Oil Dry, parent company to Cat's Pride, and Dave Weiske, Vice President of Customer Success, our main sponsor who brings you the WGN Radio Theater each week. Hi, Dan. Hi, Dave. What's up, guys? Hey, How Carl. Yeah. Hey, Mike. Hey. hey guys. How's it going? And we are going to give away, as you do every single month here, so generous, another year's supply of Cat's Pride kitty litter to one of our lucky Listeners, and uh, we'll we'll pick someone in just a few minutes. But let's talk a little bit about Cat's Pride. Now, I you know Cat's Pride is the obviously the best cat litter uh, on the planet. And you've been in business how long with uh, Cat's Pride? Well, uh, the company was started in 1941 by my grandfather, and we launched Cat's Pride in about 1954, 55. Really? Yeah. That long? Yeah. That's a lot longer than I thought. And uh, you have green jugs, you have white jugs. Tell us how to differentiate those. So I'll start with the white jug. And, you know, this is the traditional cat's pride. That's where we all got started. And we got started with really a, a an affordable, um, great clumping litter that has low dust and is popularly priced. I mean, we talk about going out there in Cat's Pride. This was in heavy facings and available at all your major um, you know, stores that were out there. So we were really excited about it. And now today, we have done a complete artwork change. And when you go on out to catspride.com, I encourage you, for the listeners today, go on out there and check out the white and the green, which Dan will talk about. But we've got an Easy Scoop brand name for Cat's Pride, an unscented Easy Scoop. Then there's baking soda. People love baking soda because of its absorption qualities. And there's a scented and unscented version there with regard to baking soda. And, and you know, again, the baking soda odor control is out there as well. But the um, Cat's Pride name, the white jug, is where it all got started. And that's really where we vaulted to incremental uh, deployment and sales all over the nation. And what about green jug? Now, when did that start? Well, before I jump into green, I just want to add one thing, because every day that white jug is for sale at Walmart at five ninety eight. That's correct. So that's what he was talking about. for how much? 
How many was it? It's for the equivalent of what the competition has in a 20 pound jug. Ours Come again on. is that light yep. density. Oh, wow. So it gives you all the fills of 20. 599? Is that what you said? 598. 598. Yeah, even That's better. correct. And the white jug, Walmart. White jug, Walmart. Check that Every out, day. folks. Yeah, yeah, that's great. It goes high-low where we promote it, and it can be on a BOGO at Publix where you buy one, get one free. We do all sorts of things. So mm. just, you know, the, the grocery guys go play the high-low game, and Walmart does the everyday low price. So it's very good. So you talked about green. Uh, you know, it's not easy being green. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's okay, not. Okay, Kermit. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, I, I do want to thank uh, the listeners because obviously this advertising is working. Uh, business is booming uh, across the country on all Cat's Pride brands. We're really, uh, the category is growing at 4 to 6%, and we've been growing at 18 and 20%. Oh, so wow. we're taking share, which is great. And the green jug is really our premium, you know, so you have good, better, best, and the good would be the private label, the stuff we make for walmart and target and albertson safeway jewel uh meyer all those guys we do what uh is called private label where their name is on it but our brand is in it and then the better is the white jug and then the well best. that just what you're saying right there if that doesn't tell you folks if all of these major labels want you to put your product with their name on it that's 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 a recommendation right there. There's a feather in your cap right there. It's obviously a great product. They're not going to put their name on it if it wasn't. Correct. And and they, they have very strict uh, quality control procedures. They visit our plants. We, we give qu- quarterly audits, all that. And so we're proud of the fact that pretty much over one out of every five shopping carts in America that's grabbing cat litter has an oil-dry made cat litter in it. Uh, so we're, we're a pretty big player in it. And then you asked about the green jugs. First of all, we put it in a green jug because we are the inventor of lightweight cat litter. We have the patents on it and so forth. And the whole idea behind it is you get all the fills, people fill to two or three inches, but it weighs less. And the reason why that's green or environmentally friendly is because we can put twice as many units on a truckload. So we can actually cut the carbon footprint Almost in half. I say almost because the pallets aren't any lighter, so it's about 40-something percent right. uh, cut in, in carbon footprint. Well, that takes thousands of trucks off the roads, right, I'm guessing, that's correct. Uh, in a year. So that's that's why it's uh, it's such a green product. And you're all about, you guys are all about green. You're all about helping these cats because I know a big uh, push that you have with uh, Cats Pride is the Litter for Good program. Could you talk a little bit about that? Because yeah, that's absolutely. amazing what you're doing with that. Yeah, 2018 was our first full calendar year of Litter for Good, and we uh, donated over 5 million pounds of litter to over 1,000 shelters coast to coast. Wow. And all the the consumers had to do was buy the green jug, because every time a green jug got sold, we donated a pound. And they... um, could go online at www.catspride.com and nominate their local shelter. So do this, folks. Go to the go to www.catspride.com. Uh, yep. Okay, you go there, and this is why it's so amazing and why you should do it. You go there and 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 sign up, and then it's free. It's absolutely free. Just uh, just nominate your shelter, a shelter near you, and here's what'll happen. What will happen is, based on the prorata share of the nominations, so let's say one shelter, just to make my life easy, got 10% of all nominations, then it's going to get 10% of that 5 million pounds. Now, that doesn't happen. We've got a 1,000 shelters. So if a shelter even got 1%, that would be a big deal. But they're all getting enough litter where they don't have to buy litter anymore. And what that does is free up dollars to go find homes 
forever homes for those kitties and dogs. Uh, but as we always say, over 3 million cats enter shelters in the United States and only 1.5 million find homes. So it's it's a grim it's, reality. It's, it's, a, it's like a ripple effect. When you nominate your shelter, it's going to get litter, and they don't have to spend any money on litter, which means they have more money to find a home for that cat or dog as opposed to euthanizing it. And you're saving millions of cats' lives every single year because of this program. It's an, it's incredible. So, folks, you know, this is a company that's been here in Chicago for forever, forever. right? It started Since in Chicago. 1941. And so it's a, it's a tried-and-true company right here in Chicago. They support this radio show, the WGN Radio Theater. In fact, they've been our sponsor, our main sponsor from day one, from day one. And they're bringing you this show. Dan loves classic radio. It's how it all started. We were friends. We played baseball together. And Dan is like a classic radio fan. Yes. Loves suspense. That's his favorite there show. And, and so I said, Dan, you know, maybe we can help spread the word about your great company. And you do so many great things for, for um, these cats and dogs all across the country with your litter for good. And also, Dan said, well, how about if we give away... A year's supply of Cat's Pride kitty litter each and every month to one of your listeners. Now, you've been doing this for over five years times 12 months. That's a lot of, that's a lot of cat litter. Well, the, the litter for good's only been going on right. for a year and a half. Right. But as far as giving away a oh, year's supply, gotcha. it's been yes. five years. Correct. Correct. So, uh, and that's really, really great. Now, where can our listeners buy the white and buy the green? Now, those are the two, only two colors, right? It's white and green other than the private label? Correct. Okay. Yeah. And again, you know, Dan mentioned Walmart. We're out there at Walmart. And um, what's interesting about WGN Nation and Cat's Bride Nation is your reach. And, I mean, we're reaching out to Florida, New England, and other areas. So if I go to New England, I can go to, um, you know, some places out there that uh, the listeners are actually on this, you know, broadcast oh, sure. they, that are, they, yeah, are listening. Coast to coast. And so we, through CNS, we have a market basket uh, distribution through Demoulis, um, CNS wholesalers. We've got Galoob. We have uh, Wegmans Foods that's up in uh, upstate New York. Then you talk locally here, obviously, any Walmart nationwide, but locally in the Chicagoland area, you have um, up in um, Wood. Woodlands, uh, wood, it's Woodmen's, excuse me, Woodmen's, and then you have Jewel, Osco, which is around here as well, which our product is out there on display, and you can see us everywhere. Yep, fantastic. Um, all right, so check out the Litter for Good program. Go to catspride.com. We'd love you to be uh, uh, part of that program And I would well. also add for, you know, for the channel of e-commerce, yeah. for the folks that can't get out and, and really get out and carry litter around, we have Chewy.com, Walmart.com, and Amazon.com. How, how big is a, 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 a business is that, the online? Is that it's, pretty, pretty It's big? a pretty significant yeah. piece of business, especially for people's time today. People's yeah. time is so valued that they're they're really you know being very conscientious of that time and ordering necessities um, through e-commerce. Now, I know Mike has uh, Mike uses Cast Pry. I do. He I switched it. over. So does Lisa. Uh, a switcher. And Mike let, doesn't even have a cat. <laughs> I actually have two dogs and a cat. Okay, so. okay. Um, I switched over, less tracking, does clump better, less odor. So after I tried it, I decided to stick with it. So, folks. And speaking of changing yeah. over, I have a question here. A texter texted in, which you can do at 312 981 7200. Um, and they were asking if uh, there's anything they need to know when changing over from their current litter to Cat's Pride. Great question. So, what. 
we recommend is because cats are finicky, yeah. as we know, yeah. is you blend it about half and half oh, for about a week, and then you can switch over fully okay. to the other. Wow. Now, some cats won't reject if you do a, a quick switch, but you're safest to do the half that and half. That makes sense. That's good. Yep. Very, very good. All right. So, a lot of success there. Yeah. All right. So let's give away another year's supply of Cats Bride Kitty Litter to one of our lucky listeners. And, folks, if you want to uh, send a picture of your cat, do that uh, this month, because then next month, Dan and Dave will be here to do this again. You may be a lucky winner. Send a photo of your cat along with your cat's name, your name, city and state, to Cat's Pride Photo at gmail.com. Don't wait. Send a picture in of your cat and be eligible to win next month. So here we go. Drum roll, please. Reaching deep. Got one. All right. Okay, we have a winner. And our winner is Val Shook. Her cat is Buddy, and she's from, get this, Pinellas Park, Florida. Wow. So, again, right. talking about that Cat's Pride Nation reach and WGN, that is a huge reach Fantastic. to Florida. That's over 1,000 miles away. Folks, do me a huge favor. If you love this show and these classic radio shows and you have a cat, please switch over to Cat's Pride. Support our sponsor who has been supporting this show from day one. It would really, not only will you get the best cat litter, your cat will love it, and you'll be doing this show a favor and supporting our sponsor who supports our show. So thanks, Dan. Thanks, Dave. Great to see you guys. Thank you. see you guys. As always, we have Jack Benny coming your way. Stick around. All right, it's time for Jack Benny, June 27, 1948. His special guest, Fred Allen, Part one of the Jack Benny program. The Jack Benny program. From New York City, starring Jack Benny with Barry Livingston, Phil Harris, Rochester, Dennis Day, and yours truly, Don Wilson. gentlemen, this is our last broadcast of this season. We've had 39 strenuous weeks of radio, and on the shoulders of the star of our show fell the task of carrying this burden. So, without further ado, we bring you a very tiresome comedian... That's tired. Jack Benny! Thank you. Hello again. This is Jack Benny talking, and Don, you're right. This has been a very grueling season. Work, work, nothing but work. I tell you, Don, I'm so tired right now, I can hardly keep my big blue eyes open. <laughs> I'm really all in. Well, Jack, I know it's been a tough season, but I can't understand why you should be that tired. After all, you're only 39. Well, look, Don, it's hard for a man of your age to realize how tired you can get. How old are you? 38. Well. <laughs> just wait 15 years till you're 39. Of course, the burden you're carrying is not on your shoulders. Right? <laughs> and how you got a pair of pants to fit your burden is beyond me. Oh, now, wait a minute, Jack. I wish you'd stop joking about my being fat. It's embarrassing. People on the street point at me. Why, taxi drivers won't even stop for me. Yeah, I can't understand that, Don. New York taxi drivers are known for their courtesy and politeness. <laughs> I take the fellow who drove me from the station to my hotel. When I got out, he was so shy, he wouldn't even ask me for the fare. He just grabbed me by the ankles, turned me upside down, and shook me. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Oh, my goodness, Jack. What did you say? Nothing. I had my money in my mouth. 
anyway, I will say this cab driver is very efficient. He picked me up at the station, drove straight to the Sherry Netherlands Hotel. Oh, do you live there? No, he does. <laughs> You know, these cab drivers... Well, look who's here. Hello, Mary. Hi, Jack. I tried to reach you yesterday. Where were you? I was visiting my sister, Babe, in the polyclinic hospital. Gee, I didn't know Babe was sick. She's not. She's the janitor there. <laughs> that was really... All a... right, Jackson. They've waited long enough, so stand aside, Dad. Let them see me. Let them see you. Well, Phil, here we are finishing another season. Another 39 weeks that you worked for me. How do you feel? Thirsty. Oh, fine. Mary's hungry and you're thirsty. Hey, Jackson, were you at the Lewis Walcott fight at the Yankee Stadium Friday night? Sure, Phil. I was sitting right up front. Did you hear the big reception I got when I came in? Everybody jumped to their feet and cheered and yelled. Really, Phil? When'd you come in? At two minutes and 56 seconds of the 11th round. (laughs) Heaven's sake, Phil. They were cheering the fight. Jersey Joe Walcott was staggering all over the place. So was I. I hope Walcott fell better the next morning than I did. <laughs> I'm sure he did. Say, Phil, I haven't seen you since you came in from Cleveland. Where have you been? Oh, Dunsey, I had to stop off in Philadelphia to cast my vote at the Republican convention. You, uh, Phil, you cast your vote? Uh? Certainly. I was chairman of the delegation from Dilwad oh! Dennis. <laughs> you can't give them those words. <laughs> well, why do you keep putting them in there? <laughs> What? Didn't you think the convention was exciting? The convention, it sure was. Those Republicans must be pretty sure of getting into the White House. They nominated Dewey, Warren, and four piano movers. <laughs> and you know, kids, it's quite an honor to us Californians to have our governor nominated for vice president. I'm pretty thrilled because just two years ago, Earl Warren was a guest on my program. Yeah, Jackson, that Governor Warren's really a good-looking guy, ain't he? He sure is, Phil. He's very popular, too. Yeah, what a guy. Handsome. Beautiful smile, full of charm and personality. Why, if he could lead a band, he'd be another Phil Harris. <laughs> How do you like that? Say, Phil. What is it, Libby? <laughs> if Walcott's head was as big as yours, Lewis would have hit it in the first round. Mary, I could kiss you for that. Thanks, Jack, but I'm still hungry. Well, I'll get you a sandwich when we get to London. No use having one here. We may have a rough voyage. <laughs> Jackson, while we're over in London, I'm going to buy one of them English tweets. You mean a suit? Yeah, and I ain't going to take just any old English suit in London. I'm going to pick a dilly. <laughs> oh, Harris, I'll bet Milton Berle's got that written down already. <laughs> written down. He's got it on television right now. And not only that, as soon as we oh, get... hello, Mr. Benny. Oh, hello, Dennis. Well, Dennis, here we are finishing another season. Another 39 weeks you've been working for me. How do you feel? At the Sherry Netherlands. <laughs> what? Gee, I read the wrong line. <laughs> Dennis. Dennis, I haven't seen you since we got to town. Have you been having a good time? Boy, I'll say. Gee, I really like New York. The people here are so friendly and so trusting. Trusting? What do you mean, kid? Well, last night a fellow stopped me on the street and he wanted to borrow $5. And when I gave it to him, he didn't even ask me my name. Say, Dennis, if he didn't get your name, how will he know who to return it to? Well, he's stuck with the money. Let him worry about it. <laughs> Dennis, kid, come here a minute. Huh? I want to feel your head, see if it's ripe enough to pick yet. <laughs> Say, Dennis, I want to thank you for taking me to the fight Friday night. You were the only one that asked me. Dennis, you take Mary to the fight? Yeah. 
Gee, what excitement at the end of the 11th round when the police all gathered around, picked him off the floor, and carried him back to his seat. Joe Wolcott? No, Phil Harris. <laughs> oh, yes, yes, Phil. Gee, I was so proud. He's my friend. All right, that's the first portion of the Jack Benny program. Special guest Fred Allen coming your way from 1948. More after these words. Mike, you have a birthday coming up, right? I do. When's yours? August 14. Oh, coming up quick. Mine's the 20th. Yep. And then my son's is the 21st, one day after me. He got his own day. You know, I tell you what, man, it was close. It's his golden birthday this year, huh? Yeah, 21 on, yeah, it'll be 21 on uh, August 21st. That's right. Nice. Back to WGN Radio Theater with Earl Amari and Lisa Wolf. Thank you, Vic. Mike, quick, yes. uh, quick joke before we get back into Jack Benny. Sure. All right. <laughs> What's the difference? This is kind of a brain teaser. What's the difference between a hippo and a zippo? Difference between a hippo and and a Zippo. The first letter. <laughs> well, that would be accurate, actually. Well, one is very heavy, and the other is a little lighter. Ah. Huh? All right. All right. Not too bad, right? <laughs> not the worst. My uh, my buddy Mike Stark told me that joke, and uh, he said, you can use it on the air and not have to pay a royalty. So <laughs> okay. decided to do that. There you All go. right. We're, uh, we're listening to a very funny uh, broadcast of the Jack Benny program. June 27th, 1948. His special guest is Fred Allen. Here's the conclusion. That is, everybody here in the studio is anxious to hear your song. How about it? Okay. Now, hold it, kid. Come in. Well, 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 Mr. Kitzel. Hello, Mr. Benny Boy. My, it's a pleasure to see you. Well, Mr. Kissel, how do you happen to be in New York? I came here last week to go to a wedding. A cousin of mine got married. Oh, well, congratulations, you Mr. Sure. Kitzel. Yes. Did you have a good time at the wedding? Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> it was a big party, eh? Your wine flowed like celery tonic. <laughs> <laughs> celery tonic? That's a vegetarian champagne. <laughs> And then right after the ceremony was over, I was the first in line to kiss the groom. The groom? You're supposed to kiss the bride. With her face, we had trouble getting the groom to do it. Oh, well, did you meet a lot of your old friends there? Everybody who I knew for years, even Pansy Nussbaum. Pansy Nussbaum, huh? Uh, she's working for, uh, you should excuse the expression, I have an Allen. idea. Yeah, I have an idea. <laughs> Well, Mr. Kitzel, I'm awfully glad you dropped in. Thank you, Mr. Benny. And here I brought you a farewell present for your boat trip. I had that made especially for you. Well, let's see it. Now, isn't that cute? A long bagel that spells out Bon Voyage. <laughs> Thank you very much, Mr. Kitzel. You're zipping good health. Thank Goodbye. you. Thank you. Goodbye. I run into Mr. Kitzel nearly every place I go. Now, come on, Dennis. It's time for your song. What's it going to be? It's a lullaby that I recorded for RCA Victor called Sleep My Child. Swell. Go right ahead. (laughs) 
an angel as she looks up to the sky. And she sings this song of hope that will not die. Sleep, my child, though your daddy's far away. Sleep, my child, we'll be back with him someday. He is trying so to find a home that's safe for you and me. Where we still may share some happiness and live a life that's free. Sleep, my child. We must try to keep from you all the pain and the sadness we've been through. You will have your chance to grow strong in some fine land where you belong. number, Dennis, you, and you sang it beautifully. And Phil, it's the first time I've heard the orchestra sound so nice. And I'll take it. It's probably Rochester. Hello? Hello, this is the operator. I have a long-distance call for Jack Benny in New York City. Long distance? Where's it from? Harlem. <laughs> That's what I thought. Put him on. Hello? Hello, Mr. Benny, this is Rochester. Well, it's about time you called, Rochester. I haven't heard from you since we arrived in New York. I'm sorry, boss, but Monday night when I got to Harlem, there was a big party celebrating Joe Lewis's victory. Monday night? Wait a minute, Rochester. It wasn't until Friday night that Lewis beat Walcott. We're still celebrating his victory over smelling. <laughs> but that was ten years ago. Why are they holding the party now? It was postponed on account of rain. <laughs> Well, Rochester, I hope it's not a wild party. Uh, what are you having to drink? I don't know, but I'm calling from the chandelier. 
That's what I thought. Now, Rochester, I hope you packed everything in my trunk that I need. You know, while I'm in London, I'm going to participate in the Olympic Games. You are? <laughs> yes, sir. Well, <laughs> surprise. So hope you win, boss. I hope you win. You do? Yeah, America hasn't had a tiddlywink champion in years. <laughs> Rochester, I'm not going to London just to tiddly. Look at for your information, I'm going to throw the discus. You're going to what the who? I'm going to throw the discus. Throwing the discus is an ancient Roman sport that was popular during the days of Nero. I thought you were playing the fiddle then. <laughs> When I leave, I hope you'll be down to the dock to see me off. Oh, I will, boss. I will. Goodbye, Rochester. Goodbye. Well, I'm, I'm going to miss Rochester, too. But just think, kids, in a little while, we'll be out on the Atlantic Ocean. Headed. Come in. Uh, pardon me. I was looking for the washroom, but this will do. Jack, I really uh, dropped in tonight. Wait a minute, Fred. Wait a minute. Let me look at you. Yeah. Gee, you're looking swell. Yeah. I've never seen you have such rosy-colored bags under your eyes. <laughs> uh, look, Jack, I dropped in... And that pained expression on your face. You look like a hen trying to lay a basketball. <laughs> I'm getting mine in first. <laughs> well, all right, Jack. Uh, and those wrinkles. Yeah. Honestly, Fred, your face looks like a convertible with the top halfway down. You know what I mean? Now sit down, little man. You must be tired after that Bob Hopian outburst. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, please tune in your radios an hour from now when this nature boy of the gay 90s is a guest on my program without his writers. <laughs> What Benny, you... with, without his writers, you can't tell Benny from Mr. Hush. <laughs> now, wait a minute, Fred. What and you... he should talk about the way I look. Benny's hairline has receded so far, he combs his eyebrows to keep up his morale. <laughs> Fred, no. I have seen more fuzz on a harvest moon. <laughs> I'd hate to be drowning and have someone throw me a line like that. I... <laughs> For Simum face. Look yeah. at it. What did you come barging in here for anyway? Well, frankly, I didn't uh, drop in here to see you, Jack. It's Mary I'd like to talk to. Hello, Mary. Hello, Fred. What is it you wanted? Well, Mary, you can do me a great favor. I came... Hiya, with... Frederick. Long time no see. Well, if it isn't Phil Harris. Hollywood's answer to, look, Ma, I'm drinking. <laughs> There's Dennis Day. Hello, Dennis. Hello, Mr. Allen. Look, Fred, we're doing a program. Now, what do you want to see Mary about? Uh, yes, Fred, what is it? Well, Mary, every now and then, Portland likes to take a couple of weeks off my program, and I thought, you know, I thought a hungry girl like you uh, might, uh, <laughs> might like to take her place. Well, thanks, Fred, but I don't think I could take Portland's place. Oh, yes, you could. Why don't you try, uh, well, just try reading a line or two. Wait a minute. <laughs> Fred, I don't want my program sounding like yours. I had three answers to that, Mr. Benny. <laughs> Two of them the censor took out. And the third one I wouldn't dare tell without an air wick on the premises. <laughs> oh, Jack, I'll just imitate Portland for a second. It won't sound like Fred's program. Well, go ahead, Mary. Well, all right. Oh, Mr. Allen! Mr. Allen! 
Portland. What is it, Portland? I'm from the South, the deep South, that is. <laughs> terrible, terrible, terrible. <laughs> and I'm not wrong for this <laughs> Dennis. Howdy, Bob. <laughs> now, stop. Look, Fred, will you please let me run my own show? This is worse than last week when Bob Hope dropped oh, in. Oh, no, not, no, not worse than last week. No, no. <laughs> we used up so much time, my program was cut off the air 10 seconds too soon. Well, I thought it was cut off 30 minutes too late. <laughs> now, listen, Al. Oh, wait a minute, Jack. Don't get excited. And, Fred, as much as I'd like to substitute for Portland, I couldn't. You see, Jack has me signed to exclusive contracts. Well, Mary, that's nothing to worry about. Contracts can be broken. Let me see yours. Well, Fred, I- I'd rather not. I'm too modest. What has modesty got to do with your contract? It's tattooed on my back. <laughs> you're downright. Anyway, Mary, you're under exclusive contract to me. If you go on Fred's program, I'm not going to take you to Europe. Oh, all right, Jack, I won't. You know, Fred, uh, we're going to appear at the Palladium in London. Yeah? And then we're going to tour the continent. We're even going to Germany. Good. That'll teach him to start wars over... <laughs> That I'm going to ignore entirely, as I hoped the audience would. Oh, Jack, stop arguing. Why don't you two kiss and make up? Well, all right, Mary, I'm willing. Of course you're willing. You have to kiss me. Look what I'm stuck with. (laughs) Anyway, I'm leaving for England soon, so I won't have to see you for a while. Well, I can't imagine you spending the money to go to Europe. What are you talking about? I always spend money. I even went to see the Lewis Walcott fight. I know. I saw you coming out of that newsreel theater. You spend money. Why, the last time you opened your wallet, Washington said to Lincoln, pull down the shade, Abe. The light's killing me. Listen, now, another crack like that, and I'll punch you so hard, it'll straighten out your wrinkles and make your face four feet square. <laughs> I've seen like better that. material than that in a four-dollar suit. <laughs> Why, you refugee from the old... is worse than mine. Now, just read it. Go ahead. Wait till you, wait till you hear this one. You think mine is a stinker? Listen to this one. Why, you refugee from the old folks' home? You want the rest of it? Yeah. <laughs> if you had enough strength to double up your fish, you'd be too tired to swing it. There, that gives you an idea. That's what you think. You better shut up or I'll pull your lip down and hook it to your belt buckle. Oh, bro. I'm warning you, Alan. You better get out while I, I still got while control of my temper. <laughs> now, careful now, Benny. You're liable to blow your top and you paid eight bucks for it. <laughs> Throw them out. Don't Mary. bother, Mary. I'm leaving anyway. Go on, beat it. I'm telling you right now, I'm not appearing on your program tonight. Then you won't get paid. What time's rehearsal? Eight o'clock. I'll be there. Goodbye, Frank. Goodbye, Jack. You know, Mary, he's a sweet guy. Play. Ladies and gentlemen, on behalf of my cast, my writers, everybody associated with my program, I want to thank all of you who have been listening to us for nigh on to 16 years. We'll see you again in the fall. I want to thank Alan for lousing up my program. And I hope you'll tune into our summer replacement, a new and exciting quiz program called Let's Talk Hollywood. The show will feature George Murphy and Edith Gwynn. And the guest this is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Well, you heard what happened there. He got cut off. Cut off. And you know, that's because Fred Allen was ad-libbing. And uh, oftentimes on the Fred Allen show... Fred Allen was cut off because Fred Allen loved to ad-lib. And when you ad-lib, guess what? You run out of time. Yep. You are listening to Jack Benny there. I hope you enjoyed it. June 27th, 1948. Sounded like it was the last show of the uh, season. Season, 
and there was a summer replacement of a show that I'd never heard of. Never heard of that quiz show. I don't think it did very well because I'd never heard of it. Huh, interesting. Um, his special guest, Fred Allen. A lot of fun. Jack Benny show, always a lot of fun. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, it's more of the WGN Radio Theater. Meet happy with Zoom, Mike. Will do. All right. Hey, you know what? Uh, about a year ago, Mike Estella, who is here uh, taking uh, the uh, co-hosting chores very seriously. Mm-hmm. very uh, He's a serious guy, is Mike Estella. Uh, Lisa's on vacation for this Sunday. She'll be back next week. She's in. She says, at least, she's in Phoenix, Arizona. Right. You never know what Lisa. She won't have more of a tan no. when she <laughs> left. So she said we'll she's see. going to Phoenix, but mm, <laughs> I don't know about that one. I think she wanted a night off. What <laughs> that's, do you think? That's possible. <laughs> what do you think? Um, we, uh, Lisa, Mike, and I, we started a club about a year ago called the Classic Radio Club. And here's why we did this. I think we were having dinner somewhere, the three of us. And we said, how can we share these, uh, these master recordings? I've spent 40 years licensing the rights to these classic radio shows from George Burns' estate and the Jack Benny estate, and CBS, and NBC, and Abbott and Costello estate, and all the different uh, producers of these shows, spent about 40 years licensing these programs. And one of the great things about licensing the shows is they provide us the master recordings. Now, they're on 16-inch transcription discs, so we have to have a lab make the make, make the transfer. But the good news is we start with the master recordings, and then Mike has these uh, tools, yep. you know, like a denoise and some other things, clicks and pop filters and equalization. And when Mike is done with that master recording, it sounds probably better than when it aired. I do what I can. I spend a lot of time, you know, denoising, taking out some of the hiss, clicks, pops, all of that. And the good thing about these master recordings is they're pretty much full resolution. So a lot of other things you might find out there don't really have all the tonal quality that should be there. Right. So it's a much better resolution when you're starting with the master recordings. Right. And after doing the cleanup they sound significantly better. Yeah, and so we were saying to ourselves, how do we share these incredible quality master recordings with our listeners who love classic radio? We decided to form a club called the Classic Radio Club, and it's at ClassicRadioClub.com. Now, at that club, when you go to the website, you'll see that there's two ways to join. You can join as a CD member, which means you will get 10 classic radio shows each and every month, unless you cancel. You get 10 shows on five CDs in a collector case, and the case is really great. It's a color case and has pictures of the stars on it and really nice presentation. You'll see it on the website. You can get uh, the five CDs in a collector case, 10 shows every single month, along with copious liner notes that I write about all of the 10 shows. And these are the best of the best from the library. I mean, 100,000 shows that we have, I'm choosing 10 shows every month to send to you. I mean, Abbott and Costello, The Shadow, Jack Benny, Gunsmoke. I mean, the best of the best and the best quality. And we still continue to even get new shows. Oh, yeah. We're always getting shows transferred at the labs. So now the other way you can sign up is the digital membership. Now, the digital 
digital membership means uh, it's less expensive than you know it's it's uh, the CDs are fourteen ninety nine plus shipping and handling. That's what the CD is each month fourteen ninety nine plus shipping and handling. The digital downloads are only nine ninety nine. You don't get the CDs, but you get the same great quality shows emailed to your computer, and you get the liner notes via a PDF. You just click it and you can read all about the show. So that's sent to your computer. You can join the CD program, which is fourteen ninety nine, or you can plus shipping and handling, or you can join the digital, which is just nine ninety nine. Obviously there's no shipping and handling. However, the first month you can try it for only a dollar. Just go to our website at classicradioclub.com. One dollar, you'll get the ten shows the first time. Check it out. If you don't want to continue, then just cancel. But you can Get them the first month for only $1 at ClassicRadioClub.com. I think you're going to enjoy. There's hundreds and hundreds of members, and they even have some testimonials at the website you know, that have uh, come in from listeners. So I've asked them, can we put uh, your testimonial on the site? And they said, yes. So we did. So check it all out. Go to ClassicRadioClub.com. I'd love you to become a member. All right, it is time for news. When we come back from news, it's Broadway Is My Beat, a good detective adventure. Back to WGN Radio Theater with Carol Amari and Lisa Wolf. Yeah, I'm sorry, you don't look anything like Lisa Wolf. That's good. <laughs> you have black hair, you're a male, yep. um, you're a little taller than Lisa, Yep. and you know karate. So I don't think Lisa does. Who knows? <laughs> you never know. You never know about Lisa, though. She's uh, she works out though. She works out all the time. She's always, I'm, you know, I'll call her. Hey, what are you doing? I'm on my way to the health club. I didn't know she played the piano until we yeah. had dinner one night. She's like an amazing piano player. Yeah, so oh, she's man. got. She's probably got some skills we don't know about. Yeah, I mean, uh, she's a talented gal. Um, she says she's in Phoenix. Yes. I don't know about that. I'm skeptical. Skeptical. Um, you know what? We're going on a cruise. We are going on a cruise, Mike. I sure hope you can come with. Yeah, we'll see. That would be nice. I'm uh, making an effort. I got a lot of things going on next year, but I think I can make this happen. Yeah. Well, uh, oh, here's our little sticks sailing away. Courtesy Shante Garth, our producer. Man, I hope our listeners could go with us. We have we have listeners booking already. It's fantastic. We're going to take uh, a group. I'm hoping I'm hoping about um, 40, 50 people would be nice. So it's a nice, intimate, yeah. not too many people. Um, the uh, space is limited, so we have a group rate. We got an incredible, incredible offer. I think it's starting at eleven ninety nine per person for seven nights on this cruise. We're going next year, so a year from this August, August 1st, 2020, we're going to Bermuda. We will be going out of um, New York City, goes to St. George and Hamilton, two, um, two great ports, a lot of history there in, uh, in uh, Bermuda, and um, all kinds of excursions. Oh, it's going to be a blast. We're going to do a, uh, it's like the cra- classic radio cruise. Right. We're, we're going to play some games. We're going to play trivia games. We're going to have a cocktail party the first night. Do a reenactment. We're going to do a reenactment. 
We need you there, Mike. Need you to help with all that. How am I going to put that on without you? I'm trying to convince my wife. Okay. That's 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 what we're doing here. Yeah. So, so uh, I mean, eleven ninety nine starting at eleven ninety nine a person. That's uh, amazing. Yeah. And that includes gratuities. I mean, we got a great deal. So, folks, it's on Oceana, which is a really great line, like an incredible line, very high end line. And we're uh, sailing on the totally reimagined, completely remodeled Insignia is the ship. And I'm hoping, uh, hoping our, uh, our listeners can go with. Now, how do, you, uh, how do you go there? How do you check it all out? Just go to our website, WGNRadioTheater.com. Go there, WGNRadioTheater.com. Scroll down a little bit. Click the cruise banner. There's a banner. And takes you to, right to Keen Luxury, Keen Luxury Travel. Travel. Yep. Uh, are you on the site right now? I'm on the site. Yeah. Yep. I see. Uh, I see a uh, the classic uh, radio cruise hosted by Carl Amari and Lisa Wolf. You got your picture up there. Lisa's got her picture up there. It's like about a 30 year old picture. It's like <laughs> you know, a picture of me 30 years ago. New York I had to New York. Darker hair then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it takes out of New York, back to New York. It is going to be a blast, folks. We'd love you to uh, to book this. I mean, book early because it is space is limited. It's August first. It's one week, and it's going to be a lot of fun. We are we're going to be with uh, you listeners. We're going to be eating together and enjoying the uh, islands together, the islands together, and also um, cocktail party trivia contest. Isn't there a casino on board There's a as casino, well? Casino, yes, 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 yes. I'll be in the casino a lot. I'll hang out there. I too. like. I like to. I you know. I you know. I'm a big spender. Two dollars a bet. Blackjack. Yeah. Two bucks. <laughs> I go up to about two bucks a bet. You know. Um, and uh, I win five dollars a night. Something like that. Hey, that's, that's not good. bad. Lose five, win five. Sure. Why I not? can deal with that. So that that'll be fun. Uh, I'm, you, what do you like in the casino? You're a blackjack guy, or what do you like? Uh, I play roulette. Roulette? Yeah. Oh man, I can't win at roulette. Do you do you cover the zero double zero a lot on roulette? Uh, not a lot. Yeah. Sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, I play roulette. If I'm on black or red, green zero double zero will come up. So <laughs> I that's not my game. Yeah, I, I'll 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 play the numbers and I'll play the outsides. As okay, well, see, so I don't even know what you're talking about. See, I don't know how to play the game. Okay, blackjack, fair. though, <laughs> I kind of know my blackjack. I've been playing that for a while. In this hour, Broadway is my beat, a good detective adventure starring Larry Thor from 1950, the Joan Fuller case. So you don't want to miss that. That's coming up in just a minute. But first, these words. Hey, Mike, do you uh, ever take any road trips, you and your wife? You ever uh, you like to yeah. get in the car and, sure. and go? Yeah. You know what you need to do the next time? And, right. uh, and so should our listeners. If you're going to take a road trip. Tell me, Carl. You need to check out bestoftheinterstate.com. Now, when you're planning your road trip, first go to this website bestoftheinterstate.com. It's here to help you find the best destinations and attractions along all U.S. interstates. Head to bestoftheinterstate.com to plan your best road trip yet. Don't guess. Know the best. Bestoftheinterstate.com. Okay. Ready for Broadway is my beat. Absolutely. I like this show because it was very realistic. I mean, it was a lot like Dragnet. You know, Dragnet was very realistic. It had uh, true stories. This was not true stories. These were dramatized. I mean, no, I shouldn't say dramatized. They were dramatized, obviously, but they weren't true stories. They were just made up. 
but it was very realistic. It made you think you were in New York City and they were solving this homicide and great acting. Elliot Lewis was one of the best producers of radio. He was a, a producer on Suspense. He was also Frankie Remley on the on the Jack Benny show oh, okay. on Phil Face. He was an actor. But he was a great director, and he was the director of this series, producer-director. It came to radio in 1949, lasted all the way to 1954. Originally, uh, the star of the series was Anthony Ross, uh, but he was quickly replaced by Larry Thor. He was the Times Square detective Danny Clover. And uh, each episode opened to the theme, I'll Take Manhattan, and Clover worked homicide from Times Square to Columbus Circle, the gaudiest, the most violent, the lonesomest mile in the world. And then Charles Calvert played Sergeant Gino Tartaglia, and Jack Crucian was Sergeant Mugovan. Um, as I say, very realistic, very well done, as you will hear now on this November 17th, 1950 episode called The Joan Fuller Case. Here's Larry Thor starring in Broadway, Is My Beat. <laughs> Broadway's My Beat, from Times Square to Columbus Circle, the gaudiest, the most violent, the lonesomest mile in the world. Broadway's My Beat, with Larry Thor as Detective Danny Clover. At one o'clock in the morning, night begins to slip out of Broadway stands bewildered, staring at its empty hands. The derelicts of night run from it, beat on a door, plead for a refuge from the offered emptiness. But no door opens to them. At headquarters, you consider it through a grime-stained window. Turn away from it. Find on your desk a slip of paper that hadn't been there before. Homicide, it says. Central Park Lake. And Broadway has finally opened a door. The password, the violent dead. There's the lake and the facade of the city embracing it. There's a shadow covering a dead girl with its coat. The puny effort to thaw the veil of frost on the girl's forehead. Then the shadow rises, shakes its head, and it's Mugovan. I don't know, Danny. Sometimes it's, uh... You know, Danny, I got a nephew, three years old. He comes here during the daytime to play, to feed the ducks. Yeah. Who is she? We don't know. They're dragging the lake now for any identification she might have had on her. So far, nothing. Drowned? Uh-uh. Hey, come here, I'll show you. Hmm? See? A knife wound. Where it is, it probably killed her instantly. Then they threw her in the lake. Who reported it? A guy and his girl. They were, you know, smooching. They looked up, saw the body floating in the water. They reported the precinct near the house. Anything? We questioned them. Why didn't they report it right away? They had an argument about it, they said. Didn't want to get into a mess, they said. Then the girl said she told her boyfriend we'd better report it, so they did. Who were they? Smoochers, nothing else, Danny. We're positive. You made no comment, Danny. On what? The way this girl is dressed. The expensive evening gown, the expensive mink fur coat. I know it's real mink because my wife talks in her sleep about mink like that. So? So a lot, Danny. A girl as expensive, as beautiful as this one. Somebody will come asking for her. It's the least they could do, huh, Danny? There wasn't anything to say after that. And from far away, across the stillness, the brief, wild sob of a boat whistle. 
The sudden flurry of wind through naked branches. The quick, small sounds in places where there's no sun. This was the autumn's night pastoral, with death in it. I turned up my collar and walked away from it. The next morning, it was back to headquarters. Received the report that so far nothing had been found on the bottom of the lake to identify the dead girl. Go downstairs to the place where it's never daytime, the morgue, the three people waiting there, the quiet audience sensing the etiquette of stillness in the presence of the dead. All right, you, the lady over there. Muggerman? Uh-huh. We want you to be sure, ma'am. I'm sure. Well? No, it's not my sister. Uh, that way out, ma'am. Now, the gentleman... My wife was blonde. Is this your wife? Uh, take it easy. I haven't seen Aggie in three years. This girl is 5'6", weight 124, approximately 22 years of age. Aggie's going to turn up here one of these days. I'll make book on it. She ain't done it yet. This ain't Aggie. Uh, through that door over there, please. Uh, you're next, lady. Hey. You're Mrs. Hunter. Coslow! Hey, Coslow! Yeah? What do you want? Why didn't you come Oh, it's her. Uh, get her out of here, will you? Yeah, come on, Mrs. Hunter. Mm-hmm. We know. Never so often this happens with Mrs. Hunter, Danny. Really identified a daughter here about five years ago. Keeps coming back. I don't know. That's all of them, huh? Funny. Lovely young girl. Dressed beautifully. Someone must want to know what's happened to her, where she is. Someone must know who she is. Okay, Muggerman, we'll try it another way. Another way was to check with the men in technical. Maybe they had something. They had. The dress the girl had worn to die in was an exclusive, made exclusively for one woman in an exclusive shop just off Park Avenue. The coat, too. The girl had good taste, they told me, and the money to indulge it, and the beauty to grace it. Beyond that, all they had was a shrug. So I packed it, shrug and all, in a cardboard suitcase. And on top of it, the portrait of the girl taken in death. And closed the cover, snapped the lock. At Roderick's Incorporated, just off Park Avenue, a man tried to stop me from opening the suitcase. Maybe I should have been proud. It was Roderick Incorporated himself. My good fellow, the hours for salesmen are between 9 and 10 of the morning. They are? And on Tuesdays and Thursdays of a week. Now that you've been briefed, you may scurry off. And uh, take that, uh, that thing with you. This could interest you, Roderick. Why? Because I'm a policeman. Uh, don't turn pale, Roderick. You don't match the color scheme that way. Whatever would a policeman want with Roderick? This picture, Roderick. Look at it. Oh, stunning girl. But so, uh, so dead. You know her? No, no, no. Oh, but wait, that dress she's wearing, it's mine. Uh, that is, it's a Roderick original. A Roderick uh, inspiration. Is it this dress? Oh, but of course, and the coat too. <laughs> Who else could have molded those lines? You molded them for this girl? Oh, no, no, never, never. Obviously, your dead girl is a thief. I created these things for Gladys Hampton, the advertising executive. Surely you've seen her in these things in Harper's. Where else can I see her? She has a place on Fifth, a tired mansion. Uh, kiss her for me when you see her, will you? Tell her you do it for Roderick, eh?
If you don't mind, Mr. Clover, let's get this over as quickly as possible, shall we? All you have to do is cooperate, Miss Hampton. Cooperate? I've just come home from Vermont. Just this morning, I've got work to do. Cooperating with police is not on the agenda. I'll show you something. These clothes, this coat, this dress. Where'd you get them? Have you ever seen them before? I'll tell you why I have. I paid a lot of money for them. They're mine. What are you doing with them? Oh, look at this. Go ahead. Take a look at this picture. That's Joan. What's this all about? Who's Joan? Joan is Joan. Joan Fuller, my maid. What's happened? Didn't you miss her when you came home today? No, she didn't know when I was coming back. What's happened to her? We found her in Central Park Lake. Murdered. I'm not going to like the publicity about this. That's how sorry you are, huh? I don't allow myself those kind of luxuries. I'm too busy. Tell me about Joan. Well, she's worked for me for two years. She came from Muncie, Indiana. She was efficient. She lived here. I paid her well. I couldn't tell you more than that. How is it she was wearing your clothes? Before I left for the weekend, she said a young man she knew from Muncie was in town. She wanted to dress well for him. Would I lend her some clothes? I would and did. What young man from Muncie? How do I know what young man from Muncie? I suppose Muncie has its share of young men, else eventually there'd be no Muncie. Did you get a look at him? Well, he was coming in while I was going out. He was nice-looking. I'd probably remember him if I saw him again, but I couldn't describe him. You see, I'm being of no help to you. Besides, I'm busy. Please, close both doors to the vestibule as you go out, Mr. Clover. I did, and walked out into the street holding the crumbs she'd given me. The identity of the dead girl. A girl who had borrowed her employer's clothes to impress a young man from Muncie. A girl whose final embrace was holding close the bitter waters of a lake. At headquarters, the routine that is a requiem for the violent dead. A telegram to Muncie asking for information on Joan Fuller. The order to Mugovan to riffle through hotel registers for a visitor from Muncie, a young man, good-looking. The sifting, the questioning, the break for a cup of lukewarm coffee. And then another call from Mugovan. Hotel Adams, Danny. A Johnny Barrett. Registered with his wife from Muncie. I looked at him, Danny. He looks likely. The tired room, complete with stained rug, stained washstand. The young man at the dresser, manicuring his fingernails. You're here to present me with the keys to the city? I'd like that, because I'm fond of your city. To ask you questions, Mr. Barrett. Now, what would a boy from the country know that would interest a big city man like you? He might have known a girl named Joan Fuller. He might have known a lot of girls. Not one named Joan, though. That's one he's missed. How big is Muncie, Mr. Barrett? Big enough that I could walk its streets, put nickels in slot machines, order a beer, go alone to movies, and never meet a girl named Joan. It teases me, though. I'd like to meet her. She's dead. She was murdered. That makes me sad. I cry when girls die. It's a thing with me. Let's go, Mr. Barrett. I haven't finished my pinky. You want to show me the sights? I want to show you to a woman who says a young man came calling on Joan Fuller, a young man from Muncie. Hey, that could be a sight. Get your coat, Mr. Barrett. Let's go. Can't wait. Oh, honey. Honey, doll, come on in. Enjoy looking at the shop windows? Jimmy, who is... A policeman, honey. He wants to go show me to a lady. This is my wife, Mr. Clover. Mrs. Barrett? It's hard to believe she's my wife, huh, Mr. Clover? Me being young and... Well, honey doll here being... But we love each other to pieces. Don't we, honey doll? Hmm? Jimmy, 
I don't understand. What's a policeman doing with you? <laughs> don't worry, baby. I told you. He wants the lady to look at me so she can identify me as the murderer of some pretty girl named Joan. She was pretty, huh, Mr. Clover? Uh, Jimmy. Uh, uh, go window shopping again, honey doll. The policeman and I have got a date. Let's go, Jimmy. Sure. Let's go. This house. Nice house. Ever been here before? No. Bet you wish I had, though. Nice chimes. Pretty. Nice. Funny. Vestibule doors open a bit. Miss Hampton liked her doors closed. Oh, you wouldn't peek, would you? Yeah, I would. <clears throat> Stuck. It'll only open hey. half. Hey, look. What there was to look at was a vestibule floor, a tile mosaic in a simple block pattern. Clean, gleaming. Even the blood that spread across it had a new quality to it. Miss Hampton's blood. Miss Hampton, lying there. I knelt beside her. Miss Hampton with a knife in her heart. Miss Hampton, dead. You are listening to Broadway's My Beat, written by Morton Fine and David Friedkin, and starring Larry Thor as Detective Danny Clover. That's a good show, right? Yeah. Really good detective uh, adventure. Broadway's My Beat, November 17, 1950. Joan Fuller case starring Larry Thor. We'll get back to it in just a few minutes. Back to WGN Radio Theater with Earl Amari and Lisa Wolf. Mike pointed out that I may have said 1131 earlier instead of 1231. But, you know, I'm getting old, Mike. My eyesight is uh, starting to go a little bit. Okay. I think looking at these monitors, too, you know, like these computer monitors, yeah. that's not good. No, it's not. It's not good for you, right? Um, so, I mean, you know, I'm getting older, Mike. Okay. You know, my bones are starting to ache a little bit here and there. You know? <laughs> so if I'm off an hour or so, I mean, does it really matter if I'm off an hour? You should just humor me. Just be like, you know, he's an old guy. Let's let him be late, you know, early or late or whatever with the time. It, so now the excuse is you're old, not that you fell on black ice. Well, that's a true story. I did fall on black. If people don't, don't know the story, I fell and hit my head on black ice. Maybe this had to be a while ago now. Yeah. Mm, mm. I'm going to guess 15, 18 years ago. Fell, was it not that long? <laughs> no. no. See, that's that, that's the effects of falling on black ice. You lose track of how long it happened ago. So how long ago, if you had a guess? I mean, less than 10 years ago, I thought. Mm, I thought you're I, right. I, I, you're thought probably I knew right. you already. You're probably right. Happened. Yeah, it was probably 10 years ago. You're right. Um, yeah, I got out of my car. It was uh, black ice all over. got out of my car. I had a briefcase in one hand and a cup of coffee in the other. Slipped my briefcase my feet went above my head my briefcase went flying my cup of coffee went flying i hit my head on the black ice and i know i was out for a while because when i woke up i got my coffee and it was cold <laughs> <laughs> so you know it was out for a while 
And when they, ever since that happened, little things here and there are not the same anymore. It's almost like a parallel universe, you know? Like I'll type an email and send it to someone, and then they'll respond, and I'll then reread the email, and it's stuff I didn't know I wrote to that person. You know, the greatest one was you were about to rush out the door, and you came to the studio door, and I was, I don't know what I was doing, and you are like, okay, I got to go now. And you ran down the hallway, and you ran back, and you are like, look, Mike, I don't even know what's going on. I got a shoe on one foot and just a sock on my other foot. Yeah. And you were like this cruising was out the door. Right around the time I found the black ice, huh? <laughs> Sometime thereafter. <laughs> and it was crazy. Because you that were stuff just... is not I tell you what, man, that stuff is not to be messed with. Black ice and concussions and all that stuff. But luckily the classic radio facts are still all in there. I right. Think. They're all categorized, they're all com- compartmentalized. And you that's know? the most important thing. That's right. right. Now. Classic radio. As long as that's all fine, we're we're good to go. We're listening to Broadway is my beat. Here's the conclusion. When it's November and the winter is a coming in, Broadway is a place of regret. The dreams are dying, and it's a long time before April will come again. The orange juice stands put glass doors between themselves and the pavement, serve hot coffee as a buffer against the wind and loneliness. Somebody leaves a newspaper on the stool beside you, not very neat, folded badly. There's a small bit of blackberry pie on the item that tells about a girl who floated face downward in the lake. You flip back a page and consider the minor headline concerning a woman named Gladys Hampton, also murdered. And flip another one and see how they ran at Hialeah. You take your time. Outside, it's pavements, and outside, it's cold. I didn't have it so good. I got my coffee out of a paper cup, and Sergeant Tataglia had put too much cream in it. Or as he put it... Too much cream, huh? Not enough sugar. Ah, you always get them mixed up, Danny. Why is this? We all have our bad days, Gino. Eh, only I seem to have them more frequent than most. Have you noticed? Uh, Let's get on with it. You got anything for me? Uh, yeah, Danny, yeah. In the matter of Jimmy Barrett, the young man from Muncie, it has been established by the coroner that he could not have killed Gladys Hampton since, at the moment of her demise, Jimmy was with you. What about an alibi for last night when Joan Fuller was killed? He claims that he was doing the town up with his wife and cannot tell us what time he was where. Uh-huh. Uh-huh, what? He cannot tell us what time he was where, Danny. How does he like our pokey, Gino? Uh, not very much. He's screaming for his wife. Also, he wrote the little verse on the wild to tell us how much he didn't like it. It starts off... Tell me later, Gino. I'm going out. Uh, Where, Danny? To see a man's wife. Oh, it's you. Where's my husband? What have you done with him? He's downtown, Miss Barrett. We're holding him on suspicion of murder. Well, don't stand there in the hall making a show of me before the world. Come in here. Come in. Sure, Miss Barrett. I was just washing out some of my things in the basin. You live in a dirty city, Mr. Clover. The dirt eats into everything. What right have you to do a thing like that to Jimmy? What right? Because we think he murdered a girl named Joan Fuller. Girl I read about? Girl from Muncie? Jimmy never knew her. He never knew anything like her. Not like her. You know that much about your husband, Mrs. Barrett? I'm a middle-aged woman, Mr. Clover. I know things about my husband that no girl ever knew. 
Why did you and Jimmy come to New York, Miss Barrett? You won't say any of the things people say when I tell them. Jimmy and I are on our honeymoon. Mrs. Barrett. He loves me. You saw how much he loves me. The sweet names he calls me. I saw, Mrs. Barrett. Took me a long time to bring Jimmy around to me, Mr. Clover. To the things I wanted. I'm not going to lose him to you. You'll help us. Maybe we can give him back. This is a trick. You're trying to trick me. You want me to say something about him that'll make him dead. Something that can save him. What can I tell you that will do that? Did he ever leave you alone on your honeymoon? Go off somewhere alone? Never. Why, Jimmy waits on me hand and foot. That's what first attracted me to him back home. How polite he was. How considerate. When he could have had any girl. Here, Mrs. Barrett. Has he left you alone here? I told you no. He was alone when I found him. That was different. I I went window shopping. I like to do that alone. I like to come back and tell him the things I saw. All the useless, expensive, frilly things that are no use to anyone. Just good to look at sometimes. You've done that other times? Back home in Muncie, not here. One more question, Miss Barrett. Did you know Joan Fuller? No, I didn't know her. My husband didn't know her. I haven't told you anything that'll save him, have I? No. But I will. You'll see. I hired a lawyer. He's getting a writ. You'll bring Jimmy back to me. You'll see. Wait till I tell Jimmy how you treated me. Just you wait. I'll wait. Don't take Jimmy back home with you, Mrs. Barrett. We'll want you both here. <laughs> Come on in, Gino. Okay. Just a word to let you know that people questioning around the home of Gladys Hampton had never seen Jimmy Barrett. Also, that Jimmy is released on a writ. Yeah, I was threatened with it. And to tell you that outside is a gentleman from Muncie, Indiana. Another one? Yeah, Danny. You know, this is the first week in my life I have met two people from Muncie, Indiana. One on top of the other. Show him in, Gino. Uh, This way in to see Danny Clover, Mr. Fuller. Sit down, Mr. Fuller. Thank you. I'm Joan's father, Mr. Clover. I see. I'm very sorry about what... Thank you, but of course you're not sorry. If we mean the same thing by that word. You're a policeman on homicide and your job's got to do with dead people. People get used to death almost as easy as they do to cigarettes. The sorrow of Joan's death belongs to me, not to you. Forgive me, I made a speech... How did you know your daughter was dead? You notified the Muncie police, they notified me. I've come to take her home with me. If I can help... Find the person who killed her. We're trying, Mr. Fuller. I've never been vengeful. I've always felt sorry for people eaten by hate. Now it's happened to me. I can understand. Tell me, Mr. Fuller, do you know a man named Jimmy Barrett from Muncie? Of course. Joan knew him, too. Pardon me a second. Bataglia. Roger, Danny. There's a man tailing Jimmy Barrett, isn't there? Yeah, Danny. Get in touch with him. Find out where Jimmy is. Roger. Over. We were talking about Jimmy Barrett, Mr. Fuller. Tell me about him. Well, Jimmy married a woman somewhat older than he. Rather wealthy woman. Why do you ask? He's honeymooning in New York. How well did your daughter know him? Mm, Valentine's. Letters on flowered stationery. Holding hands and dances. That much. No more than that. I see. What did Joan tell you she was doing in New York? Working in advertising, she said. Everyone back in Muncie thought that. 
I didn't know she was a maid. I know how you feel. Forgive me again. You can't possibly know. Did you have a daughter? Did you tell her stories? Did she cry against your cheek? Did you watch her grow up? Was she found in a lake? Was she murdered? Mr. Fuller, I... We don't know each other, Mr. Clover. We're not friends. Your sympathy doesn't mean anything to me. Just find my daughter's killer. Danny? What is it, Tatalia? The man we had tailing Jimmy Barrett just phoned in. Jimmy just bought himself a new car five minutes ago. Brand new Hudson. Where? Tobin's on 105th Street. Thanks, Gino. You're primed to buy a new car, mister? You're just tantalizing yourself with this new model. I want to, uh... Sure you want to. Everybody wants to. There's no feeling like the feeling of running your hand over this new all-leather upholstery. Save it. I'm from the police. That makes you different? That gives you desires different from other people's Look, desires? a man named James Barrett was just in. Oh, I'll never forget him. He bought a new car off of me not a half hour ago, paid me cash, drove away on a dream. Cash? $2,500. He just took $2,500 out of his pocket and gave it to you? Well, not exactly. Uh, let me give you a vivid description of it. I found it very thrilling. You thrilled me, too. He looked at the car, asked me how much it was as I stood there, and I told him. Then he runs across the street to the bank, runs back with $2,500 clutched in his wet fist. So you see why he wasn't exactly he pulled it out of his pocket. He was clutching it in his wet fist. Bank across the street, huh? Yeah. Hey, what's the matter? He got it from the bank. It can't be counterfeit, can it? Don't give me heart failure like that. Hit me in the face with it. It's not counterfeit, is it? Don't you find it rather interesting, Mr. Clover, that I, Stephen Chase, am working for the Corn Exchange Bank? We Chases have a bank of our own, you know. Yeah, I know. And you're the Chase who gave Barrett $2,500. Precisely that Chase. Does Barrett have an account here? As of this morning, a rather plump one. He opened an account this morning and withdrew that much money this afternoon? I see you don't understand banks. Oh, explain them to me. Uh, Mrs. Barrett had a letter of credit from a bank in Muncie, Indiana, which she chose to deposit here with us at Corn. Go on. Uh, please. Therefore, this account was in Mrs. Barrett's name. However, this morning, Mr. Barrett appeared. Mr. Barrett, the bearer of a letter from his wife to the effect that her account should now be a joint account. Was oh, that all? Please. I called Mrs. Barrett to find out whether the letter was valid. Mrs. Barrett told me to give her husband as much money as he wanted. All this happened this morning? Precisely this morning. Precisely, Mr. Chase. Hiya, Danny. Just going out. Want to go out with us? No, I'm coming in. Well, Miss Barrett, see you got all your things packed. Going back to Muncie? Oh, no, no. You said we couldn't go back to Muncie until this thing was all cleared up. We're going to find a nicer place to live. Yeah, me and the honey doll are going to branch out. Nothing but a ball from now on. We're really going to live, aren't we, honey doll? You're whatever you want, Jimmy. Tell me what you want, Jimmy. What I want? Get out of this crummy hole. New clothes for Honey Doll. And for me, drapes. Double-breasted. I understand you got a new car. It's got New York talking, huh? We're talking about it down at headquarters. Uh, Jimmy, uh, the man said he'd show us the penthouse at 9 o'clock. It's almost that now. You heard what Honey Doll said, Danny. I guess I'm henpecked, that's all. Tell me when all this happened, Jimmy. The last time I saw you, you were happy, right here. How much are you allowed to meddle in our lives? What concern is it of yours where we live? Oh, honey, doll. Don't talk like that to Danny. 
He wants to come up for a drink sometime. He wants to know our address. Get him out of here. You didn't answer my question, Jimmy. When did you make up your mind about all this? New car, penthouse. I'll tell you. Honey Doll and me had a small talk. We decided we were tired of living like folks, like other people. Honey Doll wants to support me in the manner I'm itching for. And she can afford it. Come here, honey doll. Jimmy. Jimmy, get him out of here. Baby, this is Jimmy. Jimmy with his arms around you. Stop it. Okay, okay. You're supposed to give me anything I want, remember? You're a little blackmail, Jimmy. Huh? Had a talk with Joan's father. He said you used to hold hands with his daughter. If you did that, you lied to me. You did know, John. You did lie to me. Danny, so I lied to you. I was nervous. It's getting late, Jimmy. Did you lie to him, Miss Barrett? Did you know Joan back in Muncie? No. But you knew Jimmy knew her. You knew Jimmy was seeing her while you were here, while you were on your honeymoon, Miss Barrett. Oh, why not, Danny? Guy likes to look up old friends, especially an old friend who's made good in the big city. I got news for you. Joan was a housemaid. Those clothes she was wearing belonged to her employer. I knew that, and I understand why she did it. To impress me. To make me hate myself because I married another woman. Jimmy, you realize what your lying can cost you. Sure, Danny. Now I'm your number one murder suspect. That's right. Danny. Uh-huh. What's the penalty for murder in this state? Premeditated. Premeditated? Life, the chair. Depends on the jury. And how about for obstructing justice? Depends. One to ten, maybe. But for murder, it can be the chair, huh? That's right. Did you hear that, honey doll? You're going to get the chair. Jimmy. You killed so you could keep your husband in you, Mrs. Barrett. Jimmy. I'm begging you. Get him out of here. You were afraid Jimmy would get blamed for it because Miss Hampton, her employer, could recognize him. You had to kill Miss Hampton, too, didn't you? Jimmy. That's what you held over your wife, Jimmy. You knew all this. She had to give you everything you wanted. Thought you'd get as soon as you were married, but didn't. One to ten, huh? That's the way it was, Danny. No! You fell! I killed my girl! Killed my girl! And you fell! Don't take it so hard, honey doll. You've lived almost most of your life. They had a week of it with me. Let's go, both of you. Honey doll, I promise you this. When I get out, I'll spend your money. I'll be happy. Just the way you wanted me to. Broadway looks good now. It's wearing the funny mask with the funny nose and the big smile painted in scarlet. The scarlet you've known in other places and other times. Don't rip off the mask, kid, because you couldn't stand what you'd see. It's Broadway, the gaudiest, the most violent. The lonesomest mile in the world. Broadway, my beat.
Broadway's My Beat stars Larry Thor as Detective Danny Clover with Charles Calvert as Tartaglia. The program was produced and directed by Elliot Lewis with musical score composed and conducted by Alexander Courage. Included in tonight's cast were Irene Tedrow, Dick Crenna, Bob Bruce, Peggy Weber, Stan Waxman, and Jack Crucian. This Saturday evening on CBS, Hopalong Cassidy comes riding to the rescue of an old friend who's suspected of a serious crime. It's a long, tough job Hoppy takes on, literally risking his own neck. With one of the greatest surprise endings you've ever heard, Hoppy comes through. Be listening this Saturday and every Saturday evening when the one and only Hopalong Cassidy, starring William Boyd, is heard on most of these same CBS stations. Dan Coverly speaking, this is CBS, where yours truly, Johnny Dollar, brings adventures Saturday nights on the Columbia Broadcasting System. They just promoted your favorite radio show there, Mike. Yours truly, yep. Johnny Dollar. And uh, I love Johnny Dollar. And that uh, was Broadway's My Beat, November 17, 1950, the Joan Fuller case. And uh, you heard uh, Larry Thoris star, but uh, Richard Crenna and Peggy Weber, two friends of this show. Uh, of course, Richard Crenna has passed away, but he... We interviewed. Uh, he was kind enough to give me a really nice interview for our show. Peggy Weber is uh, doing great. She lives in California. She's the president of uh, the California Arts Radio Theater. She's still doing radio drama. Cool. She was, yeah, she's awesome. She's been on this show before. Um, I hope you enjoyed Broadway Is My Beat. Let's take a quick break. Then it's more on the WGN Radio Theater. Hey, don't forget, uh, shop at Woodman's, any one of their locations, and uh, don't throw out your receipt. Make sure that you take a photo of that receipt with your smartphone and email it to me at WGN, uh, Woodman's at Woodman's WGN. At gmail. At gmail.com. Gosh, you know, it's this uh, <laughs> black ice. Black ice. <laughs> yeah, so once again, take a photo of it, of your receipt. Email it to me at woodmanswgn at gmail.com, and then we'll send you within... Like 24 hours, we'll send you 12 classic radio shows via digital download as our thank you for listening to the WGN Radio Theater and shopping at Woodman's because Woodman's is one of our sponsors. Um, don't forget, make sure, you, and you can do this every month too because we change the 12 shows up every single month. So July, we're still in July. If you shop at Woodman's tomorrow, um, make sure you take a picture of that uh, receipt and email it to me, and we will send you those shows. And then in August, 12 more shows, right, And Mike? it's a good variety. You know, you've yeah. got your comedies, detectives, you sci-fi, everything. Well, uh, next week we'll be back here at 11 p.m. on Saturday and Sunday, and we have uh, next week, oh, Boston Blackie. We're going to start things off with my favorite show, then Gunsmoke and the Great Gildersleeve. That's Saturday night. Then on Sunday, it's Our Miss Brooks and the Adventures of Sherlock Holmes. Wow, what a great lineup, Mike. Lisa picked it. Yeah, sure she did. <laughs> Boston Blackie, Gunsmoke, The Great Gildersleeve, Saturday, Our Miss Brooks, and The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes on Sunday. So we have a great lineup for you. 